From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Coming up on today's show, breaking down the Monday press conference, Tuesdays with Tom, talking Clemson. Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com. That is the website. It's Tuesday, lunch special, all day special, not just for lunch, all day. Get some Coronas. Get some tacos. It's Tuesday at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. And saddle up for trivia on Tuesday nights. Corey, you, you going for the strap tonight? You going to go for the belt for the championship? Uh, no, buddy. I'll be uh, I'll be on the road to oh, uh, right. uh, to Atlanta. So I got to do right. I got to do that. Uh, norm, but I'd be there with bells on otherwise. But it's a good time. Go. You can win some money. Well, you win cash money, but that's still as good as real money. I, or sorry, bar cash. Mm. But it still pays. It's, it, it spins like real money. And all you need, real money-wise, is 10 American dollars to subscribe to Warchant.com for an entire year. That promo is running until August 23rd. So start saving your pennies, and then you can sign up. But you probably have 10 bucks. Join now. It's we need you. No, we need you more than we've ever needed you, folks. Stem the tide. Stop the bleeding. Be the tourniquet. Mm. Be yep. the tourniquet. Sign up. Uh, let's get the winnings back going on here at Warchant.com. Thumbs up if you're listening to us on YouTube. Five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes, which, again, if you're on the podcast app on your Apple iOS device, search for the show. You'll see two results. Hit the one on the right. Uh, Tom, Corey, and I sat down, talked for a bit about things going on in Florida State, some uh, smaller picture, bigger picture stuff after the NC State game. I don't want to talk too much about the NC State game. It's kind of in the rear view. I, w- I would hope at this point, Corey, we got to look to Clemson. Big game. Get everything right. Fix it up here. Five and two going into the bye. Sounds awesome, right? Man, yeah, and that's why Saturday night still angers you. Uh, it's because no matter what happened upcoming this Saturday, you'd be the worst you'd be is five and two going into the bye. Um, so that you just had a game right there and you lost it. But then again, look, man, you blocked an extra point to probably prevent yourself from losing a game. You won a game with a backup quarterback on a, on a great interception by Knowles and your six seven freak wide receiver doing six seven freak things. Like you, you weren't lucky to win those games necessarily. But uh, you, you, you know, I think four and two is about when you when you factor in the LSU and the Louisville game into the Wake and NC State games. I think going two and two in those games feels about right. It's just darn it, you had a chance to be three and one, and you you blew it with plenty of. And I think I thought um, that was the, the the one the one. Well, there were a few interesting parts of our press conferences that we we went on on Monday. But and that's the thing we got to talk a little bit about the NC State game because they. They've watched film and they reflected on it too. And, and uh, you know, Fuller and Atkins and Norvell all talked about the game. But I thought Atkins was probably the most insightful, right? When he's talking about those critical moments. And, and you've just got to, when you're playing good teams in these, he called them big boy games. When you're playing these big boy games against good teams, he's like, look, when we got here, the question was, can you beat anyone? And then it became, can you win the close games? And now it's, can you beat good teams? And that's the question. So they played two, two out. You know, Wake Forest is a good team, man. They played two top fifteen teams this year. They lost to both of them. Now they got a top five team coming in. So now they they've proven they can they can win these other games. They've proven they can play with the good teams, the top fifteen, top ten teams. They've already proven they can play with them. Now you gotta you gotta see if you can beat them. Can you go win one of these games? Uh, that's the next step for this for this team right now. And I thought Atkins was really good on that, just talking about, you know, it's players, not plays sometimes, and in moments. And he's not absolving himself of mistakes. He's, this isn't like, he just got to execute. We were great. It's not that. It's just that sometimes in these moments, when it's fourth down, it's critical times, you look all across the country in college football, it comes down to who makes those plays when it matters most. Or in Florida State's case on Saturday night, who didn't make the play? Who made the critical mistakes? And um, so you hope they learn from that, right? Because they're probably going to be in a game on Saturday night. A pretty close one in the fourth quarter, you would think. And uh, yeah, you got to go play those big moments better. That's the thing, though. But they've 
they've been in these situations, man. They've, you know, the Miami game last year. Uh, you but know, Miami we, fired its coach. Like, that was a big game because it's a rivalry game, and it felt like a big game. But that's not the same as on the road against 14 in the country. You know what I mean? I, I just gotcha. don't – and you're 4-1. and one. You could go to 5-1 and one and welcome a 6-0 and oh team to your, play the biggest game in this stadium in, I don't know, man, six years. That's that 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 kind of it's it just felt different. You were three and six in that game. Th this is the next step is to be a good team and to and to be able to beat other good teams. That's all I, I think. And that's they could prove a lot on Saturday night if they could go do that. Yeah, I guess I just I feel like we we're we have a really, really big bingo card and we need to see everything, it seems like, before we'll start making judgments and, and you know, pointing fingers at certain people. It's like, all right, man, well they've they've coached and played 27 games together not this team per se because they've had so many new faces but you know I guess at one point do you trust these guys because he pointed out a guy like Robert Scott Robert Scott's been a part of a lot of these 27 games or whatever they've had since they've been a coaching staff like and I think Norvell said that after the game against NC State is like we've we as a coaching staff pour so much into these moments of these games like these certain situations and when you don't execute and you don't you come up short it's just so uh, deflating and hurting and it's well like all right man well at what point what needs to happen then and you know because i feel i feel like you've been in these situations but to your point i guess maybe miami with a coach dead man walking versus number 14 team on the road where you still kind of have your acc atlantic hopes alive uh that's a, a different sort yeah. of situation but you know. and, and like like literally like I mean, I, I'm certainly not saying that was going to happen, but if you're five and one coming home to play this game and the fever pitch that your fans would be in, it's crazy. Like, if if uh, say that in an NC State kid is called for defensive holding, so you get a first and ten at the whatever it would be the the 18 yard line, you run a three plays in the middle of the line. I'm not saying you should have done that. You get down to the 14, and then Fitzgerald splits the uprights, and we all go crazy. That's the difference in the complete feeling and narrative around this team right now. One play and, and, it, and it goes the same thing with Louisville what if Knowles doesn't get his feet down you, you know it's just crazy the the thin line between feeling great and feeling awful about a football team when in reality is it's a pretty good football team and I think last year the but so Atkins that's talked not unique about, to Florida State though Corey. no no that's no that's college football man yeah. that is college football look at think about if uh the Texas quarterback doesn't get hurt and A&M completes that two-yard pass yeah. What would Alabama fans feel feeling about their team right now? And I know they'd still be, you know, watching their DVDs of the last nine national championships they've won. I get it, but they they would have Alabama would be thirteenth or fifteenth in the country. They'd have this would be a disaster. But they played they played some situations well. They got a little bit lucky, and they're undefeated and ranked number one in the country. It's just the way the sport is. But the, what Atkins was talking about, and I, this was the better point that he made, was it's a learned behavior to win these kind of games and to play well in big moments. It, you know, the, like they said, they, they, they made strides. That's obvious from where, what they took over, where it's like, man, are they going to get blown out every week to now uh, they're in games all the time and, and they, they have a real chance to beat good teams. They've made those kind of strides, but it is a learned behavior. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, everyone. It's a learned behavior to play in these kind of moments and play well with these kind of moments. And again, I go back to last year. They were in a lot of close games, and they won some of them, especially late. Well, they started 0-4, though. And, yeah, you go into North Carolina 1-4 with zero to lose. Nobody. So, yeah, you play loose. And then you play Miami. Yeah, there's a little pressure there. You get up 17 to nothing in that game because you're playing hungry. And then what happens, Aslan? You give up, like, 23 straight points or whatever it was. They This team, and then... So, but they won that game. That was awesome. They, they Jordan Travis let him down the field. It's still the best win of his career so far. They go play Boston College and win win that game. And then what happens, Aslan? They're five and six. And after a season that started zero and four, they start to feel pressure again. Like, man, we could get to a bowl. This is a huge game. Florida's rattled. They don't even have a coaching staff. We should win this game. And they didn't play well at all. They didn't handle the expectations of that moment well at all. And now here we are in the middle of this season after a great start, 4-0 start. They have not handled this well either. Well, they, didn't, that, handle the, they didn't handle the expectations after beating top five North Carolina in 2020 well either. Yeah, right. So so, uh, so that pattern. that's where I think um, it, you – I mean, and that's certainly – I think everything's on the table as far as criticizing that. I, I think that's the next step 
either this coaching staff or this program really both have to take is being able to play with the weight of expectations and not with the like being able to play loose when there's still a lot expected from you when you've changed the goal when you've moved the goalpost to now you're 4-0 man you can get to nine wins don't shrink in that moment rise up to it yeah you could get to nine wins buddy you got a 17-3 on the road you're about to run this team out of their own stadium Rise up to that. Don't go the the whole second half with three first downs or whatever it was. Like, play better in those moments, man. Respond better when you're doing well or when there's more expected of you. Don't just play well when you're the chaser. Play well when you're the chased, when you're the hunted. When, when you know, you get up 17-3, to three, they go down and score, and all of a sudden you just spiral into madness for, for an hour and a half. Like, that's, what I, that's where I want to see this team grow up. Um, and we talk about it with Tom Lang, uh, but that's where, uh, you know, you get, what if you get a lead on Clemson? Like, I, I think they're going to play well in this game. I think they're yeah. going to come out kind of with a mentality of we got nothing to lose. Um, we're playing, a, a we're an underdog. We're at home. Uh, people don't expect us to win this game, but we're going to show the world that we're, we're the real deal. We're a good football team, and we're going to give them a game, and we're going to give them hell for 60 minutes. And if they win, so be it. They're, but they're going to remember this game. They're going to remember the Seminoles. Mm. There you go. They should just watch Remember the Titans before the game. But, okay, so they go out and they play well. They get a lead. They're playing great. The energy, the, the, the stadium's fired up. There's all this energy on the sidelines. What are, they going to, what are they going to look like when they get a lead in the fourth quarter or in the third quarter? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, man, we could win this game. That's when the pressure mounts, man. And that's where the next step in this team has to come from, in my opinion. They did, I don't think they handled it well against LSU, clearly. Um, Louisville's the only time they kind of rose up late in the game, and it was with Tate Rodemaker at quarterback. Um, so that's where I, th- when it comes to these, this program, this team in particular, that's that's all I'm left to see. I, they're, I know they're a good team. I know they're going to finish with seven or eight wins. They're a bowl team. They're a fringe top 25 team. Um, they can play with just about anybody in the country, legitimately just about anybody in the country. But can they handle success and they can play can they play with expectations because they were good enough to start the season that that's what comes with it the kids call it spooky season as uh, halloween a few weeks away get in the holiday spirit over at my boo key mm, nice the website cool. it's got like 3 o's in my bookie it's cool mm, they I got get a little it. bit yeah, of halloween it's, design. it's halloween's coming up yeah. i got it get involved everybody florida state the line ticking down a tick that makes no sense, Aslan. Clemson only a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now on our mm. Knolls. 51 the over-under, Corey. Sounds so, again, we're looking at what a same thing, 27-24 type game. Yeah. I think the offense ought to be able to, quote-unquote, rise up. Mm. Uh, Mississippi State, seven-point favorite at Kentucky. People sleeping on Mark Stoops after he was, uh, man, one day you're up, one day you're down. What a crazy sport. Uh, that yeah. we all love. And it's follow. that quarterback, though, right? If they don't have their quarterback, they're in trouble. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You folks got the uh, ace up your sleeve, though. Maybe not Will Levis, but even better than that, the promo code WARCHANT. Use it over at mybookie.ag, and your first deposit will be matched instantly, right there on the spot, dollar for dollar, up to $1,000. Bet responsibly. Don't get too crazy. But get a little bit crazy. It's uh it's winning hey, season. It's I've said it before, season. and I'm going to say it again. It's only a gambling problem if you lose. Mm. If you're winning most of the time, it ain't a problem at all. Everybody loves you. So just be smart. You can bet as much as you want. Be smart and make good bets. That's what you should tell everybody, Aslan. There we go. Uh, we're going to make Corey make some picks right now. 15 seconds. Pressure's on. You can't talk oh, too no. much about it. Georgia, 38-point okay. favorite, home against Vandy. What do you want to do with that? Vanderbilt. Okay. I don't. George is not. George's offense isn't all that great, and it's yeah. I, I like Vanderbilt in that one. North plus Car- thirty-eight. Not on the money line, but plus thirty-eight. Syracuse three and a half point favorite at home against North Carolina State. Man, judging from what I saw from that NC State offense in general, and then when that quarterback came into the game, uh, I'm going to take Syracuse in that one. They have a good running defense, and I don't know that that kid can throw the ball. They NC State certainly didn't seem to think so in that game, so I like it. I like Syracuse. Uh, I like Syracuse to win that one pretty comfortably if Devin Leary can't play, and I would be surprised to be good. There we go. No, no planning out. We just threw it at Corey. He just went right off the cuff. I like that. We don't want to. We don't mm-hmm. want to overthink these things. Have You're fun welcome. Cha ching, everyone. Cha ching. Mybookie.ag promo code WarChamp. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Talk about the uh, moments that caught your ear at the press conference. But I guess, you know, health is going to be something that we're going to be keeping an eye on probably really intently these next two days at practice as much as we're able to watch it. I really am curious to see just how the energy – it's going to be a real good energy, I think, on, on Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday. I'm just, I wonder if it's going to be, um, I don't know, like a, just a, a different level of intensity. But Mike Norvell always talks about you got to treat every day the same, so we'll, we'll see how that goes about. But injuries are what we're going to probably be able to keep an eye on and will give us maybe the, the best wind vein for where, how this game is going to go. There was no in the coop on Monday, everybody, so take that for what it's worth on Robert Cooper's status. Uh, Treshawn Ward shared a photo on social media of him in a hospital robe, in a hospital bed. Right. So right after Norvell had been asked about him, too. And he's like, well, we're going to monitor it throughout the week and we'll see. We're hoping. And then, yeah, you see him in a hospital bed. So uh, and listen, man, I think Treshawn is your best running back. Yep. Uh, so absolutely. That that hurts, man. That hurts for sure. So and if you don't have, if you get Fabian back, but you don't have Coop, I don't know how much of a one step forward, two steps back that is, or maybe it's two steps forward and only one step back. Well, I love Coop, but seeing. I think it's that. I, I if Love it, if Love it can go forty reps, uh, I love it's a better player tough, than Robert though. Cooper. Yeah, yeah, no, he he is, but I wonder how much of his success is maybe a little bit predicated on an assist of of Robert doing some stuff, and I don't know how much like Fabian Robert is great. Is Fabian Jarrett Jackson, Fabian Malcolm Ray, great, you know. So, but right. we'll find out on Saturday when they line up. But who knows? Maybe Robert will play. Maybe he just wanted to mm. throw us a deke and not do the in the yeah. coop show. Maybe he wanted a Monday off. Maybe he had a girlfriend to do something to hang out with. Uh, otherwise, we'll see how practice kind of shakes out. Hopefully, Jared Verse is not limited and, and can go. Although he really wasn't, he was only limited on Tuesday. But uh, back to Monday's press conference, I guess, Corey. Anything else stand out? I know we talked in the first segment about. Alex Atkins mentioning, you know, the winnable moments in games and executing better. You know, I, th- I thought Mike got a little bit riled up there, I guess in a good way, a little bit emotional. His, uh, his emotions started getting a little bit yeah. charged towards the end of it when talking, I guess. I don't even know what, what, what the question was. What do you think about was. that? Uh, let me, I'll set it up. So I, I think it was the question I asked, and it wasn't a Syracuse question. It wasn't like the week of the Syracuse game where I was like, you know, what do you tell recruits, man? Uh, it wasn't one of those. It was just me. I think it was just me asking about the offensive pass interference on Johnny Wilson. And I think that turned into a – he had a lot of soliloquies um, on Monday, but that one turned into – He had a six-minute and 16-second opening statement. Yeah, yeah. That's Dabo-esque, man. Yeah. Dabo has 20-minute opening statements, I think. But um, And Jimbo used to do that too. But so I, I just asked him about the offensive pass interference, and that was another example of a – and he, he, you know, he started talking about it. He's like, it was bang, bang, but we can coach that better, certainly. And then he's like, uh, you know, it's another example of a, a critical play in a moment where instead of you're right there at the first down marker, third and short, you now have second and 20 from the 36 instead of the 21-yard line. And those things change games, and you lose games that way. And then he started going on and on about how much he loves this team. He goes, I don't say it enough. I love coaching this team. And because they want to get better. They want to play better in these critical moments. They really do care. And then he caught himself because he was literally starting to cry. Right, Aslan? He was cursing. He said, damn it. it it's, it's one thing to, to have a disappointing moment and start hanging your head and start looking. Or you can just say, damn it, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going I'm to go fix it. I'm going to take ownership in it. I'm going to go and do everything in my power to make sure that that does not occur again. That's what I, that's what I enjoy about this team. Oh, I thought it's because he. It looked to me like he was. Yeah, I looked to me like he was getting choked up. Okay, maybe some of that too, though. And it's crazy. He did admit that he coaches in practice. He coaches differently. His emotions are different at practice versus in games. And then obviously how we see him on Mondays is also different. So, but carry yeah, on. Sorry. But I, again, so it's like, man, I, I mean, unless I completely misread it, which I don't think I did. I thought he got choked up, and he's like, sorry, like, uh, because he 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 caught you could like he caught a frog in his throat, and I'm like, man. I don't know if this is really good for this program or in him or really bad for this program in him to be so emotionally invested, but you can't, you, you can't say this dude is just cashing a check and he doesn't care. It it's, 
it's pretty remarkable how much Norvell really does care about all of this. And you're, I know you're sitting there saying, yeah, he gets $5 million a year, dumb, dumb, he better. But trust me, I've been around this this job and all these other coaches and, and just in general watching sports. There aren't many guys that in the middle of a 4-2 and two season get themselves choked up or worked up talking about um, you know how much their how much his players want to be better in critical moments. It's just I think it's probably good. I lean it's like 80% probably really good for this team that he is like that cuz they know this dude cares. Um but man it's just it's it's unlike anything I've ever really seen. Yeah, I'm watching it right now but I, I got on mute but I can see his emotions. I don't know if uh I, I remember it started at the 21 minute mark. But man, I'm I'm on minute like 23 right now, and he's still going. He's fine. Man, he's so fired up. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's refreshing. Wins wins are a better palate cleanser, though. Well, I it's but not, not that. I mean, now you're saying it's either or, but I mean, I, to the to the skeptical people that are listening, like yeah, yeah, cool, man. I'm glad he's really fired up. But you know, figure out what you're gonna do at the end of the game when you're trailing by two and you have a field goal kicker with an you know, figure that stuff out first. Sure, I'm, I'm just I'm speaking to them, but um, yeah. But but I, I'm asking like I and I think it's I think on the whole it's very very good that these players know how I mean they could watch that and know how much this dude cares about his program. Um, he is not here cashing a check. He is not a mercenary. He wants to see Florida State be great. He wants to see these players be great. Um, it is it is abnormal though. This isn't something that happens a lot around the country. Most coaches try to stay on an even keel. Yes. Um, he is he is very emotional. We talked about what he looked like in that press conference after the game. And he rides the highs and he he dips down in the lows with everyone. I I've always been more of a fan of kind of the even keel guy. Yes. Um, but that I'm not saying that this is bad at all. I it's refreshing, like you said. Um, it's certainly not normal. Um, I just, you know, you wonder like, man, that that's a when you get that emotional, it, this this is an emo. I mean, it, it just you you don't want to be so up and down, maybe. Yeah. But you also don't want a coach that doesn't care. And and so he desperately cares, and he de and I. So I think it's on the whole a, a positive that he is so invested and he so cares about whether these guys play well and win or lose. I don't think it's really about him. I don't think he was sad on Saturday like he was in that press conference uh, because he had lost another game as the Florida State head coach. I think he really was crushed for his players. I yeah. really do think that, and I think that's a healthy place to be, and I think it's healthy to love them as much as he loves them, but you just don't want the negative because, man, when you're that emotional on the when it's down and you're, and you're, you're jumping on people's backs when everything is going great and you're fired up, you, know, that you, don't, you just don't want the swings of the emotions of the coach to come out on the team too. You don't want the team to play with, with when things go bad that, that you know, it, they really go bad and they get devastated. And you know, you know, does that make sense? Like you yeah, don't, yeah. I don't know um, that that's maybe the best. I, I just, it's I atypical. don't even know. We'll yeah, see. It's, man. it's extremely we'll see. atypical. And you know, again, if, if they were winning, you're like, yeah, this is great. You know, they're feeding off of his energy, but it's, it's just crazy. We use that word way too much. It's just it's again it's atypical to see a, a coach, and he's very fun spirited throughout the week. Like he 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 has got jokes. He needles certain reporters on the beat and everything, and then you see him in practice, and he's just so dialed in. He is so dialed in at practice, and he's on everybody's case, and every detail matters, and every single drill. And then you see him have fun after practice, talking to us in interviews. But then like you see him crouched down on his leg i mean crouched down on the sideline raleigh like he just got sniped from row 34 and then you see the post-game press conference where quite frankly he can't even formulate complete sentences he's so hurt and and deflated from the game and you're like man like that that we've never again it's it's a typical thing so we don't really have anything to compare it against and you feel like for me especially man i am so caught up into the the archetypes of, of certain coaches, and this is the way you have to be. You have to be stoic, and you have to ride everything the same and be even-keeled. So when you see somebody who's outside that, you're like, well, man, this is, this is probably not the way to do it. But, you know, this could be something that the, the players do see, and they continue to invest, and maybe that's, maybe that's why they did continue to invest in things last season when things are so bad. 
because of the way he responded to your question. Yeah, I, I think by by on whole, it's it, it the benefits certainly outweigh the negatives that and they're perceived negatives. They might even not even be real negatives, but it's just when you're when you're super emotional. As we all, we've dealt with that in our lives, right? Like if you have a boss that that um, when you do something well, it just showers you with praise, and then the minute you do something uh, not so well, they're screaming at you. And I'm not saying Norvell is that guy, but you ride those waves of emotions that that can really impact you in, in a negative way. I don't think Norvell is doing that necessarily. I, I am a little bit concerned about what I've seen on the sidelines with Travis the last two weeks. I don't necessarily think he's taking his. Uh, the lead of the head coach yeah. because the head coach is emotional. In fact, Jordan Travis needs not, to though. be a little bit more emotional. What, but, but no, Norvell's I, not emotional in games. I mean, Norvell is absolutely he's like yeah. flatlining on the sidelines. Yeah, sometimes. like hey man, like uh, get, but he's. I remember somebody was like yelling at him when they took the delay of game penalty. I think on maybe one of their punts. Like yeah. one of the coach, like hey man, like it's about to go to zero, and he's so he was so calm. He's like, and and even Tim Hasselbeck pointed out. You can see Norvell saying, I know. Like, he's like, I, I get it. I, I, yeah. Everything's under control, so yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I just think that uh, it's just, it's something you got to get used to. Like, I it just I think we've just got to get used to this is the kind of guy he is. He's super emotional. When they lose, he is devastated. Um, when, when, when they win, he is over the moon. And, I, you know, you just want him to be over the, over the moon more often, um, I, I think. And, you know, you talk about, that what you were talking about with him crouching to the ground, you know, I, I think there's got to be a little maturing that happens as a head coach too, which, it, you know, again, man, he's, you know, he's 40, right? Or four, he's not that old a guy. Yeah, he's, he's he hadn't been doing this for that long. And I do remember this. So in the 2011 Virginia game, uh, Jimbo dropped to his knees um, when Burt Reed, it looked like Burt Reed had caught a pass to stay in bounds and the clock was about to run out. Late in the game when they were driving for a game-winning field goal, it looked like he had caught the ball and the clock was about to run out. And he dropped to his knees almost in a Shawshank, like, why, God, why? Like, <laughs> raising his arms to the sky. And and then, you know, they, they ended up missing the kick. It ended up not being a catch. He didn't catch it. And then, but Hopkins missed the kick anyway. But that's neither here nor there. But you don't see Jimbo really doing that anymore. Yeah. Like, I think it's just... You know, I, I think part of that is just learning on the job, growing into the job a little this, bit. This is like year eight of him being a head coach. That was like year uh, two. But, I mean, it's fun. Memphis, man. I mean, I love the I love Memphis. Not really. I've never really been there. I'm sure it's a great city. The, 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 the program has a good fan base. But it's Memphis and Florida State aren't even in the same stratosphere. You know, there you put Memphis on a Friday night game, eight hundred thousand people are going to watch. When Florida State's on, it's three and a half million. It's not in the same stratosphere. There's real pressure and there's real stakes. Yeah, but if you the love these players, State. though, man, if you love these players, you love those players in Memphis. You're like, if this is who you are as a human being, which I think he is, because when he left Memphis, the entire city was like so heartbroken, but at the same time happy for him. I, I would right. imagine he left that same impression on them. So I'm sure he cared about those players just as much as he does. Jared Verse and Jordan. Oh Trump. yeah, no, I I just mean like maybe um, you know maybe I don't even know I don't I probably don't even have a point here. Like, do you think when Mike Nor say Mike Norvell is is uh, has an incredible run of success at Florida State, and in twenty twenty eight and nine they went back to back national championships after Ooh. winning the ACC the last the three years before that. Oh, yeah. Do you think he'll still be that emotional talking about a game the two days later? No, in the players and how much he loves them. No. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. I just think that's part of just growing into it and growing into the uh, the the expectations. You. I think, but it's yeah, it's hard. That you. success it's like, hardens uh, you too. You know, he's still it's chasing. almost like the 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 pictures you see. I think Chris Nee made this made this. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Well, he did. I don't. Chris, you said it. The comparison <laughs> um, of like the, when the president takes office. Yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. after four years, what he looks like right. after that, just the weight of everything. Yeah. That that happens with these Power Five coaches, man especially at football schools. I mean, it, they, it just, it does, it, it, it does harden you and it, it, it really is a pressurized environment. And I, I, for the most part, I think he's done a, he's done a good job, not an incredible job yet. He's done a good job of getting this program back to respectability. You got a new, you got a new step to take now, but you know, and maybe get your red zone offense fixed. That would help. All right. There we go. Good stuff. We got more coming up Tuesdays with Tom right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You missed out on some real good MLB talk, guys. Real good strategy between Tom and Corey about how to manage each of their favorite teams' rosters, Mets and Braves, respectively. But you don't get it on this edition of the podcast. It's Tuesdays with Tom, so we're just going to talk straight ball with Tom Lang, director of original content for WordChant.com, as well as the executive producer of The Jeff Cameron Show, which you can hear 1 to 3 o'clock weekdays, other than Tuesdays, because that's headlines takes the day on that. Tom Lang, how are you, man? Doing all right, guys. It's a two-game losing streak, but there are some positives you can take from these two games. It's just hard to see that on a Tuesday. That's all. All right. All right, so big picture then. Obviously, Captain Obvious would tell you this is a big game coming up against Clemson. I've, I've never really kind of subscribed to the, you know, if they these losses start piling up, maybe there's going to be some, some doubt search creeping in. Maybe they start tuning stuff out. I just... We saw what happened last year with the 0-4 start, the fact they got off the mat, fought pretty well, closed out the season strong. I know you can't keep going to the well, but I, I figure they've established enough. There's been enough trust established between this coaching staff and these players. I know there's a lot of new guys, Micah Pittman, Johnny Wilson, Jared Verse. Uh, just how crucial is Saturday then, Tom? Uh, obviously, just it would be a huge marquee win. Probably we could call it for, for Mike Norvell here, but just to – not for the fans so much, but to keep things moving on track for this program? Or do you think things are settled enough that, you know, one more week won't be enough to ding this team and, and be a you know everlasting consequence? Well, not all losses are created equal, so it would depend on, on what kind of loss FSU suffered on Saturday. But if they did get the win, and it's not it's not a crazy thought. No, so no, no, no. Vegas doesn't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy as long as they're relatively healthy. They should be competitive in this game. And they certainly look better when they're the attacker and not the chased this season and they most certainly have no reason to feel chased on Saturday night against Clemson. But I think you make an alert point last year at zero and four, if they're ever going to quit, that's the time to do so. Uh, and they decided to rally behind and believe in the message of what Mike Norvell had, had built and the culture that he was trying to repair. So I, I don't think that, you know, a loss to Clemson, even an, uh, a significant one on Saturday would be enough to start derailing things here. But I'd prefer it not be put to the test. And and I do think that provided that they're, again, relatively healthy this week, they should come out and play a really competitive football game. There are questions we can ask about a lot of different things, but I don't I don't think you can question the will of this team. And, and I know that on Monday, Mike Norvell had said that in his press conference, and I agree with that sentiment. I also think you have a roster full of guys that know they can play with Clemson. Yep. You know, the team last year didn't know that going in. Now, they might have believed, but I, I think in the third quarter, they're like, man, we can beat this team. This team isn't – because if you remember that game against Clemson last year, I know they didn't score a ton of points, Clemson didn't, but they moved the ball up and down the field in the first half. Like, they had more yards in the first half against that FSU defense. They had they had like 240 yards, which was an enormous amount for that awful offense. Um, I, I feel like Florida State got its footing in the third quarter. It's like, man, we're we're as good as this team. We can beat this team. And then I don't know if y'all remember, but they didn't. Um, it didn't work out there at the end. But I do think it helps, man. Uh, you know, I, I think it's probably better for this team. I know this is going to sound crazy that they're playing Clemson this week instead of like Georgia Tech or Louisiana. I, I, I think now it would help if Fabian Lovett was was healthy for sure, and maybe he will be. I'm just talking about from a mindset, for, mindset uh, scenario because you can't feel sorry for yourself with Clemson on deck. Yeah. And if you can't get up, to play Clemson on a Saturday night with that place completely full, um, then you don't belong playing college football. So I I do think that this game, because I think a sleepy nooner against Georgia Tech coming off that NC State game would be really dangerous. I think this game, man, they will be up at a fever pitch. They will play with urgency and physicality, which they normally do anyway. 
and I, I think, you know, man, it's a four-point game. Vegas expects this to be close. I expect it to be close. You got to play the critical moments better than they did, certainly against NC State. But I think they'll they'll match Clemson's physicality, because, and I think they'll go in there expecting to win, which, you know, it might sound all frou-frou and, and um, you know, kind of mental, you know, like – more people care about the X's and O's than like mentality, but um, man, the mentality that you think you can win is a big deal, man. Especially when you haven't beaten this team in a decade. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. You see Aaron Rodgers' press conference. I think somebody asked them about, you know, what would happen if they were to lose another game this coming week. He's like, "Hey, I don't like that kind of talk." He's like, "I heard that in the locker room, and that, I don't, I don't want to hear that sort of stuff." He's, he goes yeah, in this whole thing go. about there you go, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, this whole thing about manifestation. He got really deep. It was pretty interesting. Uh, so Tom, well, also, he's on the ayahuasca, right? Doesn't Aaron Rodgers uh, do the ayahuasca stuff? Yeah, so he he's he gets uh, he gets in uh, he gets deep. How do we assess where we're at as we we kind of hit this midway point with a nice time buy coming after this game? So I think win or lose, the buy can't couldn't come at a better time. You either feel really good and you can recharge and, and be ready to go, or you, you kind of lick your wounds and figure out what's the next path to to finish the season strong. But going to the season, most of us thought somewhere in that six to eight win window uh, but now that they start off four and oh but you are four and two so how do we assess floor say going to this clemson game right now like are they are they on schedule because we did think eight games or did that four and oh start should it have kind of altered expectations going to the home stretch of the season i think you know Given the injuries that they did have and a mass on the way to going 4-0, they were way ahead of schedule. Because if you told me that you know certain offensive linemen or Fabian Lovett and for a period of time Jared Verse were not available for stretches, Jordan Travis wouldn't play a half of a football game, and what's their record through four games if all of those things happen? And you tell me the exact time stamp of Fabian's injury and so forth, I'd say 2-2, two and two, maybe, maybe. And I, you know, that might be you need to pull one out late. In order to be two and two, so they get credit for that start and fighting through that adversity. Um, I still think that the window and the expectation is around eight. Maybe if it was six to eight Aslan before the stretch, then it moved from seven to nine or eight to yeah. ten for a, for a hot minute there. Certainly at halftime of the NC State game, you're thinking, I, I guess nine or ten wins is on the table, but they didn't finish that game. So I'd say right now they've proven more metal than I thought they'd have, more depth than I thought they'd show to have. Tate Rodemaker is a great example, an easy one to point to, saying, look at that. They actually have depth at the quarterback position. Um, but I, I still think eight is probably reasonable at this point. The hard part of the Clemson game, and Corey, you mentioned the good note, which is you're not going to fall asleep after a two-game sequence with Wake Forest and NC State against a, a Georgia Tech group. But the hard part is they're really good, and you're probably beleaguered. At, it's 14 days you're playing these three opponents. Um, so that's a tough, uh, it's tough to project a win there. If you're four and three at the bye, can you win four out of your next five, eight, eight, seven, eight wins sounds about right. If they don't win the Clemson game, if they do, then bigger goals and loftier numbers are on the table. Yeah. It's, it's obvious Clemson's the best team left on the schedule, but Clemson is imminently beatable. Uh, they are not an incredible team. They have not played a true road game yet. Boston college doesn't count. That Wake Forest game was hey, half orange. Red bandana, Corey's red bandana. Respect, I respect, know, man, Chestnut but Hill. It's also Boston College. Um, so that that we know that what that crowd is like up there. It's not a it's not a college football crowd. So this will be the very this will be the biggest test for Clemson this year. I think I we saw that NC State team beating them at home on a Saturday night was not really a huge accomplishment for Clemson. I'm saying this is their biggest test so far. I think I think it's a team that's clearly evenly matched with NC State. But you're having to go to Doak to do it. Um, so th th this is not a cakewalk for them, or not, and it shouldn't be. And if it is, well, then they're going to go to the playoff. So good for them. But there's a lot of pressure on, the, in, on this team and on this quarterback in the first tough environment he's really been in. But moreover, you look at the last six games on this schedule, they're all winnable. Now, on the flip side, if I've said before, they're all losable if you don't play well, including Georgia Tech, who has found new life all of a sudden um, with this new coach. Um, but, you know, you look at, you know, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Louisiana, Miami, and Florida, then Clemson as well. Like, you could theoretically win all six. You're not going to. We get it. But you you will be in position, I think. You will be in position at some point in those games to win all six of them. It is a matter of how you play when it matters, man, because they they that was my biggest disappointment from Saturday is just the plays that weren't made. Um, you know, Johnny Wilson's got to come down with some footballs, man, and he he did. He made a really big catch on that last drive. 
Would have liked him to go back to it maybe, Tom. I'll be honest with you. Maybe throw it up to 14 again. It's fine. You could also throw the fade to the sm smallest guy on the team. It's cool, whatever you want to do. But, um, but you know, that, that the Dylan Gibbons play, um, you know, Marquise, then I know that's a great hit the kid makes. You can catch that ball. I see people make those kind of catches all the time. You can make those plays. Malik McClain, that's what's so disappointing about that game is you just felt like, I don't know, man. You just felt like NC State didn't win it. You gave it to them. Yeah, but if you don't do that to Clemson, like Clemson's better than NC State, clearly. So Clemson can go just win the game. But if you don't make those critical mistakes, if you go win those 50-50 balls, if you don't have ridiculous personal fouls, um, and I mean rid like ridiculous calls by the referees, if you don't have those, you give yourself a shot. And then it's just a matter of having some magic and making some plays in the final few minutes when the game's on the line. Yeah, those are good points. And that's it's back to Aslan's question. You know, there are a lot of losses in recent years. Like last year's loss to Clemson, it, that felt like it was a MacGyver special. Like how in the hell do you have the lead with four minutes to go and you're a couple of first downs away from sealing a, a Mike's first true signature win? And they were that close, yeah. but it felt like a lot of things had to go right for them to be even in that position. Whereas the NC State loss is very different. And, and in that way, you can almost prove the progress that the program has made, that you're facing a top 15 team on the road and you've really dominated them for a half that 14 points feels awfully light and they got off easy at the break that you're only up 17 to three at that point. That's a hell of a lot of progress. And you're right, Corey, that does fortify the argument to suggest that, look, if you can do that to that NC State team on the road and Clemson didn't pull away from NC State in their own building until the second half, then maybe there's there's room here to show that the improvement is not just in potential, but then also in results. All the guys on this podcast, you know, on the War Chant report for our picks, you know, we we picked a close game and we thought NCC would probably edge past them. You know, for me, a lot of it, Tom, was kind of realizing what we saw at practice the week of Wake Forest and then seeing how they played against Wake Forest. And then I thought they practiced a little bit better last week, but not as good as we'd seen leading into Boston College and LSU. So that's why I thought, all right, well, this is on the road, maybe a little bit of a better team than Wake Forest, which I, I don't think they are now after playing them. But I'm just like, eh, it just feels like we'll probably be a close one again, and we might be on the wrong side of it. How much of what you're going to see at practice this week, and do you think you have a good feel now of how this team practices and how much they play? Like how much are you going to be able to, to focus on things at practice and kind of have a good feel for where they're at and where they probably will be Saturday? Yeah, for where they're at, you can learn a fair amount. I mean, there, there'll be obvious things like who's participating in practice and some of that Mike will share and some of that he won't share after practice is over. But the one difference between Clemson and Wake and NC State, LSU, is that Clemson, if they're on their A game, will do some things that it doesn't matter how prepared and how locked in FSU is, Clemson can still make those plays. Like, for example, take a look at NC State's receivers last week. Think there was a difference in a drop-off between the Demon Deacons and the Wolfpack and receiver quality how many coverage sacks or pressures were there for Devin Leary because of good coverage downfield Clemson's got better weapons than than certainly NC State does but you take my point so for me it's more about how locked in will Florida State be will they give themselves a good chance some teams don't practice the same way they play on Saturdays it's been a fairly good indicator though for Florida State this season that how we see them on Tuesday Wednesday gives you a good idea of how clean they're going to play on Saturday, and, and man, there were just so many mistakes this past Saturday that it was really tough, but I don't know what you guys think. And, and again, going back to that point, though, you, you can't come out on a Tuesday morning um, and not and just kind of sleepwalk through a practice when you know Clemson is coming up Saturday. You just can't. I mean, I, I just think that's why I thought it was – I just think it's a it's a good time for this game after a horrible loss uh, to, to – because – you know, you think about, um, you know, if Wake Forest can rally up, they had they had a more crushing defeat than Florida State did. That loss to Clemson is an all-timer for that program. I mean, they had a chance to have a really, really special season. They'd be, like, top five in the country right now. Um, and they had control of that game and lost it at home. And Wake doesn't get a lot of chances like that. So for them to then come out the next week and play as well as they did, get up 28-7 to on a good team. I think, I think we all agree Florida State's a pretty good team. To go on the road and get up 28-7, to if Wake can rebound like that, then the team that preaches response and rebound and bounce back and mental toughness like this team does, I, I just don't have any question at all that they'll be they'll be focused and ready to play. And they're going to take these practices seriously. They're going to practice hard. I think they're going to practice well. Now, if they lose, they I mean, they can certainly lose. It's Clemson. But I don't think it'll be because of a lack of preparation. You know what I mean? I just feel like these guys will 
will come to practice this week um, because they know what's at stake on Saturday night. It would all be, it would be by far for anyone on the roster the biggest win of their careers. So, and, and there's you got nothing to lose. That's the beauty of this game, right? You really now. What I wonder about, and I, I was going to get your opinions on both of this. Say they do get up twenty to ten in the fourth quarter, or they're up twenty-four to fourteen in the fourth quarter. That's where I still wonder about this team's mentality a little bit. When they start, you know, they had a fourteen-point lead in that game on Saturday. Then all of a sudden, it felt like it started to weigh him down a little bit, and you can see in Jordan Travis's just his body language, like he's feeling the pressure of having a lead and not squandering it. Um, I wonder. Um, how they're going to respond when they ha- if and when they have a lead in the fourth quarter of this game. are Because they didn't do great against LSU either. You remember, they went three and out and gave LSU a chance, and then obviously had to fumble to three to give LSU a chance to go win that game. I want to see them take that next step. And when they have a chance to put a game away, to not play scared, to not coach scared, but to go make plays and go win a game. I think it's going to matter how that 24-14 lead came about. Like, were they down at half and they rallied in the third quarter and had a had a good second half because I think that the adjustments that they weren't able to make against NC State, maybe that could haunt you a little bit. And that's what hurt so much. That was the most frustrating thing for me against NC State was the fact that I thought they'd figured out things second half adjustment-wise when it came to Wake Forest, right? Because looking at some of the big games that Mike Norvell had been coached in in Memphis – a lot of the games that they lost, and this probably applies to most coaches, but a lot of the games that they lost in Memphis that were big-time games for them, they lost in the second half and just got shut out. They were up like 31-7 to one year against UCF and then lost 34 or 38-31. to But you saw them rally and play really well against Wake Forest in the second half, and then they weren't able to replicate that uh, this past week against NC State. So, you know, if, if they can come out and start strong in the third quarter and somehow have a, a, a two-possession lead in the fourth quarter, I'll feel significantly better about it than I would if they were up 24-7 to seven in the first half. Yeah, and yeah. They find and themselves up 24-14 in the fourth. And they're like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, boy. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. Don't. You just don't want them to have the mentality, don't blow it. I don't think they do, though. Do you, do you see anything, Corey or Tommy, that you that, – Corey, I should ask you because you kind of brought it. Do you see anything from them that makes you think that they are playing too tight when they are up? I, you know, I, I just think, you know, the, it, it, maybe it was just the interception that Jordan threw the first one. I just didn't like anything about after that play. I didn't like the throw, clearly. Um, that was a that was a um, a frustrated throw because they had not done anything. He tried to force something that clearly wasn't there. It was a bad call by Norvell, and he admitted as much on Monday that it was a bad call into that look. But Jordan can throw the ball away. And then just the way they were having that conversation on the sideline, um, and in his body language, it's just that's not that's not what we need out of that. He he is at his best when he's playing loose, man. He is just at his best when he's playing loose. He played really loose last year because you know when he got when he became the starting quarterback officially, they were zero and four. So it's like, what do you have to lose, man? Just go play. Now when you get up four and zero, there's expectations that come with that. And then when you have a seventeen three lead at halftime over the number fourteen team in the country, there's some pressure that comes with that. Like, oh man, we we're thirty minutes away from a huge win. And I just did not like how the offense responded at all in that moment. Now, fast forward to this week. If they're in the same position again, I want to see some growth, right, Tom? Like you yeah. you want to see some growth from a team. Or whether it's this week or it's at Syracuse or it's against Miami or Florida, they're going to be in a position where they have a lead in the second half. And you want to see them play better with the lead than they have uh, so far this season, really. Yeah, I'll play dime store psychologist here because that's always fun on a uh, sports mm. talk uh, format. But, I mean, if you think about it, Jordan has evolved to a completely different place as a passer. He said in the preseason that this is the most confidence he's felt since high school. Uh, We saw some decisiveness against Duquesne and said, can they do that against a team with a pulse by halftime of the LSU game, even though Florida State hadn't scored a ton of points. You said, oh, that that'll play. That'll absolutely work right there. He looks like he knows everything that LSU is about to bring to him and where he needs to go with the football. And his body language was loose and free. He takes the hit in the face on the throw to uh, Pokey Wilson for the touchdown, and he's almost taunting LSU after he takes the hit. You just you're seeing a lot more emotion out of Jordan. I think part of the evolution is not just his arm talent, but then also he's wearing his heart on his sleeve a lot more. Last year we talked about how he's stoic in in a lot of these circumstances, good or bad, but you're seeing a bit of a roller coaster out of Jordan this year. Where Corey, you're pointing it out, when he's playing loose, it looks a certain way on the sidelines and on the field. And then these last couple of weeks, you've seen a little bit more of a tight Jordan Travis first half against Wake Forest when he and Mike Norvell are, clearly aren't seeing the same things on the field. And then that happened for some stretches in this game. But then in the middle of it, about the late first quarter until the early third quarter, he looked great. So I, I think as he's evolving, 
He's also learning how to manage different feelings that he's never felt before because he's starting to throw the ball more. He's an actual quarterback, and you're going to have to learn those lessons along the way. If you can find a way, if you're Coach Norvell and Tokars and Alex Atkins, to harness whatever it is to make him play loose, then they're going to be as dangerous as they've been for the best stretches of the season. But I think this is part of his growth, and Florida State just kind of has to ride with it. I got to check out some more Clemson film, but I think off just off first blush, having watched some of their games, at least they don't seem to disguise stuff as much as NC State because that's what really gave them problems, just the pre-snap stuff. I mean, Clemson just kind of is so superior athletically that they just, you know, they kind of show what they're going to do and they feel confident about it. So maybe that'll give a little more confidence to Jordan as they head into this Clemson game. People that want to be around good energy leading into the game, Tom Lang, on Saturday. They're going to be in Tallahassee. What should they do before they head into Dope Campbell Stadium and watch the Knowles pull off the upset? Well, by golly, they should be in College Town and stop by Hotel Indigo, 826 West Gaines Street. You go inside that beautiful Hotel Indigo in College Town. There are some elevators off to your right. There's a bar straight ahead. You can stop by for a cold one. But you get on those elevators, seventh floor, wrap around in the hallway, and you'll see yet another bar. TVs with college football games on, a beautiful breeze, a view of Doe Campbell Stadium, and, of course, a two-hour pregame show, which will be live on Warchan TV. But you can see it with your own eyes. Hopefully you come out there. We'll have uh, more than a few staff members to say hello and obviously commiserate over a two-game losing streak and maybe the end of a two-game losing streak on the field on Saturday night. But we'd love to see you out there at Hotel Indigo. You can also see Tom at Corner Pocket. He, he's there right. producing the show with Jeff and I on uh, on Fridays at from 5.30 to 6.30. And you probably won't see me have allergy attacks this time, Corey. I think I'm going to be uh, able to, to fight. You might hang those. around a little bit afterwards. Yeah, why not? All right, man. Watch my Bravos in the playoffs. That would be awesome. I can't think of anything better than watching. Are you, gonna, you're, you can't root for the Phillies, though, right? Like, I know you don't like the Braves, but you can't like the Phillies either. And you I, know me. You're a friend of mine. You want the Braves to win, right? I can root for you. That's who I can root for. You want them both to lose somehow. I got it. You want to weigh you, you, you. Who do you want to win the National League, Tom? And we'll leave you on this. Who do you, who do you want to come out of the National League to play for the World Series? Um, that the is Padres. Great. No, um, it can't be the Dodgers. Nobody can root for the Dodgers. That's like rooting for the Death Star. It's an impossible question, man. I'm rooting for Cal Raleigh and the Mariners. That's yeah. what it is. Oh, the dumper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess big red button next to next to me when when, uh, I'm live on the air with Jeff is is the dumper button. Yeah, the dumper. That's right. Tom Lang, director of original content for Warchant.com, executive producer of the Jeff Cameron Show, Tuesdays with Tom. We do it all the time. Thanks for hanging out, Tom. Corey, make sure to ask Aslan about the rally tie. It almost worked. Okay, I will. I'll I'll ask about right now.